Today, uh, well, first of all, it's good to be back. Um, I feel like it's been a long time, but, uh, you know, between um, having a Sunday off and then being sick last weekend, it's great to be here. And um, today we get to start off our journey together through um, the first letter to the Corinthians. That's going to be the focus for the first part of um, this year. We're going to just start at the start and work our way through and um, see where God leads us. And I want to invite you as we do that, just throughout the week, you might want to be opening up that and in your Bible reading and um, yeah, just sort of seeing how God ministers to us together through um, this letter that Paul wrote. And so we are going to start right at the, right at the beginning, verses um, 1 to 9 out of the first chapter of First Corinthians. And uh, it's basically just an introduction. Today is going to be kind of introductory to our whole journey through the book. We're going to talk a little bit about the city of Corinth and what it was like and um, what it would have been like to live there and then the challenge that that posed to the church and the, and the followers of Jesus that were there. And so um, this, is, uh, this is the plan for today. A um, bit of background for the city of Corinth. We're going to see that the city of Corinth was um, a place that was a bit of a melting pot of cultures, right? It had, there was a lot of um, different people, different religions, different lifestyles, different philosophies, all living in the one place. And people were drawn to the city of Corinth because it was being invested in by the Romans, okay? So the economy was moving in the right direction. You could move there, you could make money, you could live fairly cheaply. And, um, you know, no one was really telling you how to live, uh, except for the Romans, you had to do what they said. But apart from that, you could pretty much do whatever. And, um, you know, this was, this was the culture and the environment that the city of Corinth was. There was multiple um, sites of worship, right? Lots of temples, lots of places where pagan gods would be worshipped. And if you know anything about pagan worship, it involves prostitution, it involves sexual immorality, it involves all sorts of immorality. And this was so prevalent in the city that, um, you know, to be a Corinthian girl was synonymous for being a prostitute, right? And it wasn't, this was just, you know, sort of the slang of the day, right? It was the same. There was male prostitutes as well in the temples. Um, and to act like a Corinthian was to commit fornication, is what one, one commentator said. This was a little snapshot of the city of Corinth. It wasn't, um, while it was an easy place to live, in terms of um, getting by in life, it wasn't a very um, godly place to live, right? There were, there were a lot of things going on in that place that d did not reflect what God's heart for humanity is, right, and for his people. And so it was in this culture that Paul plants a church, right, the church of, uh, in Corinth. And, and this is who he's writing to in the, in the letter to the Corinthians. The church naturally... Being in this culture and coming out of this culture, being born out of this culture, really, um, being a van. Right? Some of these, this hangover from the culture was, was evident in the church and its practices, right? Um, it was hard for them to live for Jesus and to separate themselves from the culture that was shaping them right, before they became Christian. The church in Corinth was born out of a culture that sent all sorts of mixed messages as to how worship should be done and how it should be um, carried out and even how to do life together, in a, just in community together. There was mixed messages. And I think about that and I think about the immorality 
And I think about the multiple um, religions and different cultures and lifestyles and, and the mixed messages. And I think that doesn't sound unlike the, the culture and the time of our own day. Okay, it doesn't sound unlike the place that we're living in and the things that, you know, we're trying to do life together as, as a church. We're trying to follow Jesus and, and yet we're in this culture that is drawing us into, um, you know, sinful practices all the time, right? And so I think, gee, we could probably learn a few things from this book as we go through it. Over the coming months, we're going to see the challenges that um, the church is facing in Corinth and how it's related to the culture that they're in. And so as we read through this book, it seems that the church in Corinth is dealing with an issue that we're dealing with. And it has to do with recognising that as, as humans, it's in our nature that we're constantly being formed or shaped into something, right? This is always the case. It's, it's kind of like, um, I was explaining gravity to Vivian this week, my four-year-old daughter, for those who, who don't know. Um, and... I dropped a pen off the table and said it fell to the ground because that's what gravity is. And um, I was thinking the drawer of culture that we live in is kind of like gravity. You know, you can't actually get away from it because she, she had asked me, how far do you have to walk before you, you fall off the edge of the earth? And I said, well, it's kind of not like that. No matter how far you walk, you're always drawn into the middle, right? And so I feel like the, the culture that, that the church of Corinth was in was kind of like gravity to them, right? And Paul starts out his, his verse, his passage kind of saying, this is, guys, we've got to focus on Jesus and we've got to remember some things that we're called to, right? And this is really his introduction to them. And he's, got to, he's trying to just really rapidly remind them, this is who we are. And there's a lot of things about the culture that we're in that are trying to draw us like gravity into sinful practices and we have to avoid it, right? And the way to avoid it is we're either going to be shaped by Jesus or we're going to be shaped by the culture. And so that conundrum of what, what are we being shaped by? Who is shaping us? Um, who's, whose hands are we placing ourselves into? This is the same thing that, this is what they were dealing with. This is the same thing we are dealing with today. And now, sometimes being shaped by a culture isn't a bad thing. There's a lot of good stuff about, you know, modern day Australian life. I quite like it. The place that we live in is pretty good and I'm thankful for it. Um, but the challenge is when we find ourselves being shaped by uh, things that aren't what Jesus desires for us. That's the challenge. And so... One of the things about uh, one of the things that we notice as we commit ourselves to Jesus is that it's one thing to be saved, but the the challenge of discipleship, the challenge of living a life for God, is that ongoing intentionality. You know, being intentional by being uh, by giving ourselves intentionally to Jesus, right? And so Paul, I think, starts his letter just inviting the church in Corinth to start doing that to to just. He kind of writes them and he says, he's, he talks about Jesus in the first nine verses nine times, right? As if to say, come on, guys, this is about Jesus. And then he talks about three callings as well um, that, they, that we're called to as Christians and followers of Jesus. And he's saying, we've got we to bring ourselves back to these callings. And I think as we start a new year, 
as we start refocusing for another year, as we're in a time where our culture is trying to draw us like gravity into all sorts of stuff. And we can, we can even talk about the way that, um, you know, politics is so caught up with, you know, COVID and it's become like a religion itself, you know, which party do you agree with? Who do you want to side with? As we can get so easily drawn into that, I want to say, guys, let's refocus. Let's remember we're on about Jesus here. This is, this is what our lives are. This is who our lives are supposed to be focused on. And there's some callings that we're called to. And, they, and those callings, this calling to follow Jesus, let him shape us, let him transform us. The calling to be holy, the calling to be in fellowship with him and with one another. These are the things that should shape our life more than ever today. And so more than our culture, more than the things that um, might try and draw us away from him. We're here for Jesus And so being intentional is about not just saying, well, this is just the way things are for me. You know, we can't fall into that trap. We can't just say, this is how I've always done it. And so I'm just going to keep doing that. We can't do that, right? There's no, there's no, um, there's no time because if we do that, we just get pulled, pulled down like gravity, yeah? And so with all this in mind, I want to read the first nine verses comment a little bit on them, and then talk about the three callings that I see in here. It says, this is Paul writing in his letter. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, he kind of gives credit to this person who helped him write to the church there, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, sanctified is this idea of holiness, and called to be holy, called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll stop there for a minute. Paul starts out with this typical introduction. You see it in most of his letters. You know, he's just introducing himself, saying who he's writing to, what the purpose of the letter is. But this time, his letter's not just written to the church in Corinth, but he's also expecting that the letter will circulate as well, right? The lessons of this letter will go everywhere that he ministers to. All those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we could include ourselves in that. And then the greeting of grace and peace is given to us, which is just that classic you know, um, Christian greeting that the believers used in that day. And then he continues in verse four. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Even in those days, they're waiting for Jesus' return. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Paul he opens up with, with some thanksgiving, right? And normally in his other letters, he'd be writing to the church and saying, he kind of opens with, hey, I'm thankful for 
hearing good reports about the church's service to the Lord. Or he'd say, um, I'm hearing reports about your, your love for one another is overflowing in the Lord. Or he'd say this nice sort of com- complimentary thing to the church and just saying, this is the report I'm hearing. You're generous or, you, or you're, you're great at um, doing life together or whatever, whatever things he says. But here he says a sort of a backhanded comment and he says, I'm thankful for the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. You know, as if um, he's heard not really much good at all about the church, right? And this is kind of an unhealthy church he's ministering to, he's writing to. But he's thankful at least for God's grace given to them, right? And a testimony about God's presence among them expressed in their uh, spiritual gifts that they're using, right? So he's saying There's evident, it's evident that Jesus is among you and I'm thankful for God's grace in that. That's what he says. And so there's a lot we can draw out of these verses there's a lesson even in that, you know, no matter how um, messed up things are, you know, God's people have a mark of His presence among them. You know, this is like the, our testimony is Jesus is here and He's gifted us to do things and there's evidence of His grace, right? So there's a lot we could draw on just in that, but there's, I really want to talk about the three callings that Paul, uh, Paul says here in, in this introduction, and I think it's um, really good for starting a new year, refocusing ourselves, you know, what's our focus after, uh, you know, 2021 was a wild year, 2022 might also be looking a bit interesting for a lot of us or a bit different. How are we going to stay focused on Jesus? How are we going to stay focused on our callings? And the first calling comes from verse 1, right? Right at the beginning, Paul introduces himself as Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, we're not all called to be apostles, are we? No, an apostle is this special, you know, leading gift, leadership gift in the church where God calls you to lead and serve in such a way that you're sent out, establishing new churches, revitalizing existing churches. This is obviously not for everyone, right? Being an apostle is not everyone's gift. But if we consider that to be his personal calling, right, I wonder... Um, you know, what we would say if we were writing our own letter. I might say, if I was writing a letter to the church, I'd say, Scott, called um, to be a pastor of 316 Church by the will of God, you know? And um, you're going to need to insert your own giftings, your own calling. You know, maybe, maybe there's something that you know God's asked you to do with your life and to carry out and it's His will for you and, and, and you need to consider that for this year. You know, you need to be reminded of that. You know, don't get distracted from the thing that God's asked you to do. Might be called to be an encourager by the will of God. Called to be a prayer warrior by the will of God. Called to provide for my family by the will of God. Called to find ways to show love to my work colleagues or my friends at school by the will of God. Called um, to include people in my life who need community and relationship by the will of God, called to spend time with my children, by the will of God, called to be generous, by the will of God, called to to the mission field, by the will of God, called to run my business with Christian ethics, you know, whatever it is, by the will of God, what is your calling? What is the will of God in your life? And I think just to refocus our personal calling this year, you know, what is it for you? What has He asked of you? How are you going with that? 
you know, how, what are some things you can do to refocus on that calling for this year in 2022? The second calling comes from verse 2. Right, Paul says that he is writing to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Right, the second calling we have to refocus on this year is, is our calling to be holy people. And now this calling, often we come at it with a bit of a jerk reaction. You know, we, we don't like to think of ourselves as being holy. It sounds a bit over the top, like we're sort of talking ourselves up. Um, but the calling to holiness is, is, you know, misunderstood, isn't it? way too often, right? To be holy or to be sanctified just means to be set apart, right? And I want to talk about this. It's really important that as we read through the Bible and we see that idea of holiness or being um, sanctified is that idea of being set apart, okay? And I want to talk about what that means. It doesn't mean we have a, a halo glowing over our heads and we're better than everyone else and our life is perfect, but it means that we're being called to take our everyday life Right? And I want to say the mess of our relationships, the mess of our work life, the mess of the things that we're doing week to week, and we take all of that and we gather it together and we set it apart for Jesus. And we say, God, this is all that I have going on in my life. And I want to gather it together and maybe you could say, put it on the, the, the potter's spinning wheel or whatever you call that. And we just say, this is in your hands. I place my life in your hands and, and you do what you want with it, God. I'm going to set it apart for you. I set myself apart for you, Jesus, and you shape it and you mould it and you make it into something that will glorify you and be useful to you. And that's holiness. That's being holy and that's our calling as Christians, right? It's one thing to be saved and Jesus makes us holy by his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection and that's all Great, that's the gospel, that's the good news, but it's so that we can be holy, right? So that we can set ourselves apart for Him and say, I'll do whatever you want, God. And we have to go about our everyday life and it's messy and there's ups and downs and all of that. But then the calling is to take that and to say, okay, Jesus, what is it today that you want me to do? I'm gonna set myself apart for you. I'm gonna put the mess in your hands and you make it into something that honours you. And so I wonder, what could you give over to Jesus today? You know, of course, we give our, our whole self over to Him every day, right? That's the challenge of discipleship. Take up our cross and, and die to ourselves. And, and we say, this is about you, God. This is my life from here on in. But what mess do you have? It just looks like an ugly lump of clay, a bit marred, a bit broken, not how it should be, not useful. What can I give to you, Jesus? That's holiness. And that decision every day is holiness. And that's the calling that Paul says we're called into as his followers. You could imagine the mess that some of the people in the church in Corinth might be going through in their lives. You know, maybe the only one out of their family of pagan worshippers who are, who are saved. Going through all sorts of issues. And Paul says, you're called to be set apart. Set apart from all that stuff and giving yourself to Jesus. So what does that look like for us? What if your life needs shaping by Jesus? The third calling is in verse 9, right at the end there of the introduction. Paul says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son. 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Right, so we're being um, called to focus on our personal calling first. That was the first thing. What's our personal calling? The second thing was being called to give ourselves, set apart to Jesus so that He can shape us. And the third one is to live in fellowship with His Son. Live in relationship with Jesus, right? A disciple is devoted to not just a set of principles or a set of practices that we follow, but we're devoted to Jesus. We're devoted to relationship with Him. And fellowship is something that takes time and it takes sacrifice. And it's hard to have good fellowship with anyone, right? Let alone Jesus. (laughs) I get that. But Paul is saying in the mess of this culture that we're in, the thing that's just drawing us like gravity into all sorts of directions, he's saying, don't forget, don't neglect fellowship with Jesus. We're called into that. And what does it look like really practically? I, keep, I feel like I, this is most of the, the crux of every message I preach is, okay, let's read our Bibles. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that again, but just if we do nothing else, let's fellowship with Jesus in reading our Bibles. Let's fellowship with Jesus through ministry to one another, right? Jesus, fellowship is this idea that Jesus in me ministers to, to Jesus in you, you know, and vice versa. We minister to one another, and that's fellowship in Christ. Um, one of the best things you can do is have a Bible reading plan. And then don't beat yourself up if you miss a few days or a few readings or a few weeks and just keep sticking at that reading plan and seeing that as a source of fellowship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that. You'll see I put one on our Facebook page or I got asked Jade to put one up there. I'm following that. You might want to follow along with me. If you're not sure where to start or what to do, come and talk to me about it. I've got plenty of ideas. And then fellowship with one another is, is a way to fellowship with his son as well. Not neglecting meeting together on Sundays and not neglecting meeting together throughout the week, right? Paul is saying, these are, these are things we need to focus on. This is what it means to be followers of Jesus. You remember two years ago, it was our first Sunday here, exactly to this day, and um, I preached a message on slow down and look to Jesus, right? And I want to reiterate that just as we close and just say, um, you know, I I was reminded of it, the way that Paul wrote uh, nine times the name of Jesus in those first nine verses. And I feel like Paul's probably saying to the Corinthians, look, if you can do nothing else, just slow down, slow down your life, forget about a lot of other things that are drawing you every direction and look to Jesus. Yeah, and that never gets old. And it's never something we need to stop being reminded of. We can't neglect him in a new year. And so I wonder, how's your fellowship with Jesus going? Sometimes we're getting stressed out by things in our life, remembering to pause, write it out in a prayer journal. Jesus, here's what's stressing me out right now. And just give it to him. You know, just put it on on the, the potter's wheel and just say, here you go, here's some more clay for you to turn into something beautiful for me, something useful for me, because right now I can't do it. You know, that's, that's the message of today.
And so I wonder, how are you going with all this? What help can I offer you? What help can the people here in this building offer you? Let's pray together um, to close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. I pray that you'd help us to respond um, to your word. We thank you for this book. We thank you for the fact that we're going to be able to go on a journey through it. We thank you that, um, you know, this church in Corinth is facing a lot of issues that we're facing today, and we're going to be able to move through it and see you at work in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to remember, you know, our calling as an individual follower of Jesus. What is it you've asked us to do? You know, it might be different from other people. What's the thing you've asked us to do, God? I pray that you'd help us to do that. Pray that it would be, become a way for us to serve you, to refocus our, our relationship with you. Secondly, Lord, help us to be holy. Help us to take the mess of our lives and to place it in your hands and just say, I'm completely devoted to you, God. Whatever you want, Jesus, shape me and mould me for this year. And finally, God, we want to live in fellowship with you. We can't do this life without you. We can't do 2022 without you. We didn't get through last year without you. And so, God, we just ask that you would remind us of that today. Help us to make necessary changes, whether it be to be reading the Word, um, seeking out accountability where we need it. I pray that that would be true for us, that we'd be able to bring honour to you, Lord, that you'd shape us this year. In Jesus' name. Amen.